0: Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play Doctor Online. And I guess I should say that uh, if you're not a baseball fan, or not much of a baseball fan, <coughs> Craig, <coughs> um, you might you just sit tight. <laughs> because this first segment of the game, I, I, of the show, I just have to talk about this World Series that we just went through. Uh, it was a really excellent World Series. Uh, maybe not, it, it, it may have just fallen just slightly short. But not much of being one of the one of the all-time classic uh, uh, World Series because Game Seven wasn't quite as close as uh, as uh, I would have liked it to have been. But yeah, you know, it was pretty darn good, especially for its uh, Game Two and Game Five. They th- those two games were just incredible. Uh, they did have a little bit of what was what's problematic with baseball in that the games tend to go pretty long, uh, and you can have that happen in the postseason too because they'll just they'll get especially if it gets to the game seven they'll just throw any pitcher they'll just keep throwing them in there to try and hope to hope to get the outs and see if they can get the win. All right, well, it was great. And now before I get talking about this series, uh, I didn't have a dog in the fight. I didn't have. You know, any particular allegiance to either team. I would have been happy if the Los Angeles Dodgers would have won. It had been 29 years or so, I think it was 29 years, since they had won their last World Series, and I think that's that's a long enough wait. And um, uh, the Houston Astros, they've never won a World Series in their, in their franchise history, which is, I think, something like 55 years. So their winning their first would have been great. And add on to that that Houston had gone through Hurricane Harvey. Uh, so it would be great for the people of Houston to have that. You know, They're dealing with the aftermath of that hurricane, which, is, which was devastatingly terrible. And to have their ball club do as well as it did and then get into the World Series and have, give them a chance to have that championship, I think that was, that was good for Houston. So as far as I was concerned when the series started, either team winning would have been great. As long as it wasn't the hated Yankees, I was fine. Uh, I know last year... When the Cubs made it to the World Series and had a chance to win one for the first time in 108 years, I really was pulling for them, although I wouldn't have been too upset if the Cleveland Indians had won that series last year because it had been 70-something years since they won a World Series. So I was was kind of pulling for both, but I really started to pull for the Cubs because dang it, you know, the lovable losers, we want them to win finally, don't we? And isn't it great that they didn't make it back? <laughs> it's kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, it is kind of weird that they that, that I would say. Isn't it great that they didn't make it back? Because you don't want to get too you know too much like uh, like Boston got after they did after they uh, after they hadn't won for 86 years and then they, they win one. They didn't go back to right the next year, so Cubs could pull into that, that Boston kind of thing. But you know, I was I'm still happy that Boston won some World Series. That's pretty good. Um, that, that, t- that town needed some. And, and the, the New York Yankees, they don't need any more World Series for, what, another 100, 100 years or so? And then, then they can start winning again. But uh, that series... Um, so I, I'm just pulling for a good series. I'm just hoping for seven games. You always love the seven games. You know why you love seven games? Because that means there's an excellent game six or the, it you, you, because game 6 is a is the is a must win for one of those teams uh, you know that it's, it's it's a make or break if they, if that team can push to a game 7 and just get it down to that one game you know, essentially game 6 is that same thing they got it down to well no that's not true because they don't win they 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 fight for the chance to get that game that series into the seventh game, and that's what happened in this one. It went all seven, and that's that's great. That's what that's what the that's what the Fox News network or Fox not news, but the Fox Sports network wants to have happen. They want it to go all seven. I'm, I'm sure they would have preferred to have the Yankees Dodgers in, in the series because of the two biggest markets and that kind of thing. But Houston's a pretty good sized market, and it turned out that this series was pretty compelling, especially. Game two, I think Game two perked up a lot of interest in people that might not have been uh, uh, interested in watching the series in the first place. I think Game two got a lot of people saying, "Ooh, this might be interesting," and that's cool. And I guess it did pull some pretty good ratings for, for especially for baseball, but it did pretty well. Not as Game seven didn't do quite as well as last year's Game seven with the Cubs, but it was the Cubs, but it was close. All right, so the first game. Now I'm going to give. I'm going to go through the games. I'll go quickly. I won't, I'm only going to spend a little more time on two of them, game two and game five. Uh, the other ones I'll just kind of go quick, but this is how it boiled down. First game, uh, it, it was in Los Angeles. Los Angeles' is a National League team. The National League won the All-Star game this year, and for a few years now, the winner of the All-Star game, either the National League or the American League, whichever team wins that, that game, gets the home field advantage in the World Series. Um, kind of a, It's an incentive. You're playing for something. And, and baseball purists, some of them don't like that idea, but I think that's fine. I, I have no problem with that. Well, so the National League won the All-Star, All-Star game. Uh, um, Los Angeles has the advantage. So there'd be two games in Los Angeles, then three games in, the, in Houston, and then two games in Los Angeles, if it goes all s- seven games. That's how it works out. So the first game, well-pitched game, On both sides but uh, the Dodgers managed to generate a little more offense and they won that game three to one and so okay you know all right that's that was was a pretty good game but game two holy smokes game two now as I was watching the series I didn't get to see I don't think I saw much of the first game and I wasn't too worried about that it's the first game I think I had to work I was like well I'll just I'll go to work I'm not gonna try to skip out of it and it's the first game it's, it's not a deciding game. It's the first game. and But the other games that I was getting to watch, I would be on Facebook and I'd be chatting with my friend Michael out in California. And of course, he's, a, he's pulling for the Dodgers. And so we're, we're chatting back and forth about what's going on in the game. Game two, holy smokes. All right, here we go. Uh, i got to make sure I read this right. Okay, game two, um, the Dodgers had gone up three to one in, in the game at some point. Uh, Houston had narrowed it to three to two. And then in the ninth, top of the ninth, Houston ties the game at three runs apiece. It goes into extra innings. Uh, Let's see. I got it written down. In the tenth, that's the first of the extra innings, because there's nine innings in a game. And by the way, somebody was predicting on local sports talk radio, they were predicting... That maybe baseball will go to seven innings instead of nine inning games because of the length of the games, and that just seems like a. I, I just I don't like that idea. I just don't. That's the baseball purist in me coming out saying no, no, no I don't like that idea. You know, I'm I'm not opposed to putting a clock on the pitcher, even though there's never been a clock in baseball. But you know, giving the pitcher only you know like 25 seconds between pitches or something like that. Um, you know, I'm for that, maybe at least trying it out. But jeez. Oh, I don't know. After lopping off innings. Ooh, I don't like that idea. Anyway, so Houston goes up five to three in the top of the tenth. Now, in the bottom of the tenth, Los Angeles ties it at five. Now they needed to at least tie it; otherwise, the game would have been over, and and the, and the Astros would have won. Okay. Then in the eleventh inning, Houston goes up seven to five. Lots of home runs in this series. Lots of home runs. So I think. I think there was at least 23 if not more. I didn't I didn't I didn't get the number. Sorry. Lots of home runs in this game. And okay, so um so they're up 6 to 5 or 7 to 5, sorry. 7 to 5. The Dodgers come up in the bottom of the 10th and they and Yasiel Puig, I think it was, hit a home run. Somebody hit a home run for the Dodgers and got it to 7 to 6. But they couldn't get any more. So Houston wins game 2. Now the game two, game that game 2 just went back and forth and I and I remember talking with Michael or chatting with him saying, you know, no lead is safe here. This lead isn't safe. And the, and the, the old adage of baseball which is attributed to uh, Yogi Berra who had had a way of talking. He was a he mainly he was a catcher for the New York Yankees p- played with them forever. And he used to but he I think he played other positions as well, but mainly he was a catcher. And he had ways of saying things. Um uh, I guess uh, some woman had said to him once that uh, he looked like he was you know, a pretty cool character. And, and something like he was, I don't know, how, how she was complimenting him that way. And he says, thanks, you don't look so hot your, You know, Let's see, how do he say it? You don't look so hot yourself. I think that's how he said it. And, you know, it's things like that. He had these weird little sayings. And it's been attributed to him that he said, it ain't over till it's over. Now, I don't know if he's the one that coined that. But it really is true. It, it's just, it's not over till it's over. Here we were thinking it was four to nothing. It's over. The Dodgers are going to win this game. It's over, but it wasn't. And then <laughs> it gets to be five to three in in extra innings for the for the Astro. Uh, uh, not five. Uh, they weren't four to nothing. They were at three to one. Sorry, three to one. And it gets to be five to three in, in the in the tenth. And they think, well, it's over. Nope. So it's it was just great. It was great. We went back and forth on that. That was something. And that game, that game, I think will go down as the classic of the series. It put me in mind. Of uh, uh, the 1975 World Series between the Boston Red Sox and the Cincinnati Reds, uh, it was Game Six, and it was one of those games that was just going back and forth. And I think it went into extra innings, and it was it was played in Boston. And even at some point in the game, and it's it's always been pointed at. Of course, this is what I learned from watching Ken Burns baseball. I wasn't watching the game at the time. I wasn't into baseball that at that point, but uh, I've learned about it since, and it's been called the greatest game ever, uh, and at some point, Pete Rose, who played for the Cincinnati Reds, was on base, and he's talking to one of the Red Sox players, which players do that when they're on base. They talk to each other, but from what I understand, they rarely talk about the game that they're playing, that, that particular game, it's, it's just something they don't do. They talk about whatever else they talk about. How's your wife doing? Oh, she's doing fine. The kids, oh, that's great. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, But I guess Pete Rose said to one of the Sox players, he says, you know, hell of a game, huh? It's something like that. Um, and then it, that's the one where, uh, I think it was the bottom of the 10th or something, that where Carlton Fisk, the catcher for the Boston Red Sox, wills the ball to stay fair as he hits a home run. Uh, which it did stay fair, but it's the one where he's jumping down the uh, the the first baseline, heading towards first base, and he's waving both arms uh, uh, to his to his right, and, and it's just like stay fair, stay fair, stay fair, you know. And it did, and they won the game, and it was really something. Uh, but then they ended up losing Game Seven of that series, and uh, Cincinnati won, and yeah, and the Red Sox continued to be uh, experiencing that futility of never winning a World Series, at least it you know, went 86 years before they finally did win one. but that was something. that was one of those games like that. that's that's what it felt like to me except it was game two. It wasn't as, quite as big a game as a game six. All right then uh, let's see game three, Houston won that one five to three. this was in Houston. Uh, game four Los Angeles managed to win that one six to two. Uh, and then game five. Now game two took over four hours to complete but game five, Holy smokes, game five. Uh, by the fourth inning, Los Angeles was up four to nothing. By the end of the fourth inning, the uh, Houston Astros had tied the game at four. So this, and I'm chatting with my friend Michael. And I said, can you believe this? No lead is safe. It's, this is incredible. So we're watching this thing happen. The fifth inning, Los Angeles goes up seven to four. They, I think they hit a, a three-run home run. The bottom of the seventh, Houston hits a three-run home run and ties it up 7-7. Seven seven. Again, can you believe this? <laughs> it's, it, it was crazy. Then in the seventh, at the top of the seventh, uh, the, uh, the uh, Dodgers went up 8-7. By the bottom of the seventh, Houston had come out of that inning uh, with another three-run lead of 11-8. It's, again, just uh, we, Michael and I couldn't believe what we were seeing. In the eighth inning, uh, Los Angeles scored a run, making it uh, you know eleven to nine. But when the eighth inning came to an end, <laughs> Houston was on, uh, up again, once again by three runs, where it was twelve to nine. Uh, so this is starting to feel like okay, who's going to win this game? Cause, but this lead felt kind of felt safe, kind of. Well, then the ninth inning rolls around. In the top of the ninth, Los Angeles tied the game at 12. 12 runs apiece. 12 runs. <laughs> in the bottom of the tenth, Houston hit a... I think somebody... Uh, I, I don't know how they got that run. They got a run. Uh, I think they had a guy in third and somebody got a hit. And it was 13-12. to 12. Houston wins. So Houston now uh, has a 3-2 game lead in the series goes back to Los Angeles. Game six. And Los Angeles, uh, you know that game, let's see if I got the right one listed here. Uh, Verlander, uh, what's his name, Verlander? I can't think of his first name. He used to pitch for the Detroit uh, uh, Tigers and then he got traded over to the Houston Astros. And he hadn't lost a game since he got traded to the Houston Astros. It was a late season trade. And he started that game, and he was pitching a no-hitter through five innings. A no-hitter. But in the sixth, uh, Los Angeles was able to get to him, and they ended up winning the game 3-1. to one. So now they, they force a Game 7. Uh, game 7, Houston went up pretty early, and they, they had a 5-0 lead pretty early in the game. They ended up winning the game and the series, uh, but they won the game by five to one. Uh, it would, if it, it it should have been just a, if it would have been a little closer. But it, it might have made this the class, uh, a classic World Series, you know, like to rival the 1991 World Series between the twi- Minnesota Twins and the Atlanta Braves. And yes, I'm a bit of a homer, but that's probably one of the best, if not the best, World Series uh, series ever. Uh, I think ESPN online. And when the when the World Series turned 100, had picked that one as the number one, as the best World Series ever. Uh, and, and, and it might still be there. Uh, that Cubs one, Cubs-Indians a- one last year was pretty good. And there's been other ones that have been pretty good. But this one, uh, that last game, a little bit anticlimactic. Although the Dodgers were putting men on base. They were getting them into scoring positions. They just couldn't get them home. Uh... Oh, and if you were watching, if you were watching Game Five, and it was a part in the game where um, one of the Dodgers hits a home run, and I can't remember what that made the score, but that was uh, uh, it was getting close to tying it up or uh, whichever it was. But this particular home run ball that was hit that was the twenty second home run hit in a World Series, which was a record the old record was 21 and by game five these guys said these two teams combined for 22 home runs so this ball would have been a little more important than just a home run ball in a world series it was a home run ball that represented a record number of home runs uh, in that world series in any world series and it goes out and a woman catches it out there, she's a uh, right field way out there, big up on this big wall. She catches it, and she's she's holding it up. There's a there's a guy that's next to her is giving her a hug, and the, there's a guy next to him, who reaches over and grabs the ball out of her hand. And as he does this, the guy that was in between them starts to turn to him and he kind of slaps him with the backhand on the chest, saying, "Hey, wait, what are you doing?" And the guy throws the ball back out onto the field. Now, this is a tradition in baseball. It started in Wrigley Field with the Cubs that when opposing teams hit a home run, the hometown fans throw the ball back on the field. We don't want your ball. Uh, that's that kind of thing. And it began to spread through the rest of the league. I'm ambivalent about how that is. But I saw that happen, and I went on Facebook. Did anybody see that asshole take the ball out of that woman's hand and throw it back on the field? And I was thinking to myself at the time, I, says, I hope, I hope they know each other. Or something like that, and the, the network never went back to it. They they showed it happened, but they never commented on it, and they never went back to it. Um, I mean, at the very least, what you, you know, it, it is a tradition to throw the ball back. But you, you, the I think the other part of the tradition is the person who gets the ball makes the decision of whether or not to throw it back. Not some dipshit sitting, sitting you know next to him and grabs the ball from her. Well, it turns out. That uh, the woman and, and and who caught the ball and the guy who took it from her and threw it were related. Uh, she uh, she's the guy's sister-in-law. Uh, the two men are brothers, and they were there with their wives. Uh, I'll I'll put this video where they somebody went and talked to them uh, about what happened there. And the woman who had caught the ball was was uh, she was. Pretty good humoring about it, about the guy taking it, and the guy that took the ball, yeah, still seemed a little bit of a jerk <laughs> about it. But, but uh, he was saying, "Look, uh, my wife, his his wife, and his sister-in-law, uh, I'm, they're going on they're going on spa day tomorrow, and I'm paying for it because you know he, he do, he's feeling a little bit bad for what he did. But that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to throw the ball back." And she said, "Well, I would have liked to have made that decision <laughs> to to have done it, but uh, at least." At least, we there was a bottom to the mystery. So I'll link to that uh, uh, those uh, the video for that. And there's also a 21-minute long video that uh, covers the highlights of the series. I'll link to that as well in the show notes. You go to dimlandradio.com, or no, go to dimland.com and click on the blog option, and you'll get to my uh, you'll get to my blog page and the links will be in there so you can if you didn't want to sit through the whole series at least you can watch 21 minutes worth of of the highlights and just see how it went it was a, an awfully impressive series uh i'd say you could say it was a classic but uh, maybe just, just a touch off if that game seven just a little bit closer, game seven. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network. I'm going to take my break. I'll be back shortly. Other parts. the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. This is Meryl Streep. There's so much in life we can't control. But here's something we can. Colorectal cancer. It's the second leading cancer killer in the U.S., but it is almost entirely preventable. Screening finds polyps so they can be removed before they turn into cancer. If you're over 50, get screened for colorectal cancer. Screening saves lives. It could really save your life. For more information, call one eight hundred CDC info. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ZTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. You know that little sounder that I played there and there where it says uh, Z Talk Radio, your number one choice for sports talk? Uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> number one? Uh, uh, what? <laughs> I don't know if that claim is, uh, is true. Uh, hate to say stuff like that, but uh, maybe I shouldn't use that sounder. It's making a claim. You know, I'm a skeptic after all. I, I'm supposed to, you know, be skeptical. The, I don't know. If we, I mean, do you turn to us for your sports? I mean, I know I just talked for 20 minutes or whatever it was about the World Series and all that, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. I might have to think about this, about whether I'll keep that on there or not. Hmm... Anyway, maybe, you know, so I don't know if we can make that claim. I I just don't think it's true. Hmm. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well, it will be. At least I hope it will be. I promise it'll be okay, (laughs) at least. Um,. This was one I was gonna do some time ago, but uh better ones came up and I decided to uh to do this one now. How about that? I put it off and now I'm doing it this week. Not this not that this one isn't very good, but okay. Here it is. This went around the internets and the social media, Facebook for me, uh, and it's one of those uh you know Pick one of these. You know what would you you know what would you prefer to get if you uh, if you could choose of these of these five items that they have here? What would you choose? And people you know put their choices in the in the comments. And it's um it's it's a uh, it's choose a pill. Except they show a capsule. Is a capsule considered a pill? I, I suppose it could be. Yeah. Anyway, choose one of them, and they're colored. You know, so choose one of these colors, and you'll get whatever it says next to it for uh, a year. One year, this this pill will last for one year, giving providing you this. So, um, starting, I'm starting with the second one that they put on the page, uh, in the meme, in the image, and whatever we call these things. Uh, the second one being the red pill. The red pill uh, does not wake you up from the matrix. Not on this thing. The red pill gives you these uh, powers of Spider-Man, and if you're unfamiliar with the, what Spider-Man's powers are, they uh, they're super strength. Uh, you know, the, the proportional strength of a spider, uh, some you know, in a man size. I think that's how they describe it. But uh, super strength, uh, super reflexes and agility, uh, Spidey sense. That's this. He has this way of knowing that, that there's some danger. You know, just a few seconds before something happens, so he gets on his guard. Uh, he has that, and then uh, web shooting. Now, this web shooting is a little. It depends on what you wanna go with. Do you wanna go with the three Spider-Man movies made by Sam Raimi? The the one where Tony Maguire uh, Toby McGuire played uh, Peter Parker and uh, Spider-Man. Those, if you go with those, the webbing came from within his body. It shot out through his wrist. That's how that did it. But uh, in the comic books, it came from uh, Peter Parker being very smart. He was this brilliant science student, chemistry student, and he came up with a chemical that could create this web thing, and he came up with the uh, wrist devices that... uh, put a little button in the palm of his hands so he would put his middle fingers down into the palms and it would shoot out from these devices that he would wear around his wrist. It would shoot out this webbing. And it, what I always thought as a kid, now as a youthful pedantic kid, uh, there's one thing that bothered me about the Spider-Man in the comic books. Now he was wearing this device around his wrist, but it would, it, once he had him on and he put the costume on over it, um, it, it, it It disappeared. There wasn't this bulky bump around his wrists. There was, it was just his wrists. That's how the artists would draw him. You, go, you look at Spider-Man drawings and see if you notice any kind of device that's wor- being worn around his wrists. So, okay. So you can either, you can either have it shoot within your, from your body or you can have the ability to create the device, whichever. No, it's okay. All right. The next pill is a purple pill and this is the ability to read minds now hopefully it's an ability that you can direct the power that you can turn it off because if you are constantly bombarded by people's thoughts you could lose your mind so you want to be able to control uh, when you uh, can hear somebody's thoughts and when you don't So, so that's the purple pill then you got the black pill and that's that is never get injured or feel pain if you if you if it's just never feel pain, I don't think that's something you're going to want because you could really be seriously hurt, and not realize it because you don't feel the pain. Uh, but I think with the never get injured, you, somehow you have this ability that, you know you you could you could be like the the character Bruce Willis played in Unbreakable, where he doesn't get sick, he doesn't. There's a car, the, the train crashes, and he he walks away un unscathed. He can. He's just got, and he's also got some powerful strength, but, you know, he never gets injured, never, and I don't know if he doesn't feel pain or not, but that's what I think. Okay, so that's that. So there's your decision there. Do you want to go with the black pill, never get injured, ne- or never feel pain? But um, I don't know if it should be or never feel pain. It should be just, and I wonder, does that include emotional pain? Hmm, probably not. I don't know. Or the green pill. Which makes you makes it able for you to see up to twelve hours into the future at any given time. Now, if you use that, you better be smart. And if you think thinking, "Ah, wow, you know, I can find out what the lottery is going to be and what the Powerball numbers are going to be twelve hours ahead of time, and go ahead and you know write it, you know, and pick the numbers, and I win the lottery," but just do it once. Don't do it every week over that course of the year. At some point, you're, you're they're going to think you're doing something nefarious, and you're going to get in trouble. So be smart about it. So Don't get busted. Uh, So that's, okay, would you want to see 12 hours into the future? Then you pick the green pill. The one I've skipped over, the one at the top, that's my pedantic moment. It's the blue pill. And the blue pill lets you use 80% of your brain power. Now, why the hell would anybody want to take away 20% of their brain power? That seems pretty dumb to me. It's just, you just, why would you do that? And, and it was surprising the people who would put in blue as, the, as their choice of pills in the, in the comment thread for this, wherever I spotted this one. And I wasn't the only one. There were a few other people, 10 points to those people, you know who you are, 10, 10 points to them who said, why would you give up brain power? Why would you knock 20% off? That seems, that's, that's dumb. Why would you do that? <laughs> and I think that stems from the idea that we only use 10% of our brain power. Well, you know what that is. It's not true, it's not true I'm telling you Cause I'm up here and you're nowhere It's not true That's right, it's not true. You use all of your brain. you use it all. Uh, yes, there are areas of the brain that are more specialized than others. You, know, you have the visual center of your brain which is at the back of your head and it, you know but that's that you know when they do these functional MRIs and PET scans and things like that and they see which parts of the brains light up when certain activities are being done, they, they you know they're, they're neurologists and are learning, the brain doctors are learning you know how the brain works now there's there's a lot to learn left about how the brain works but they do know that you over the course of your day you will use all of your brain you'll use different parts when you sit and read you then you will if you're just sitting watching tv or if you're going for a walk you 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 use the parts of your brain. There's parts of your brain that are in control of um, of your breathing and 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 blinking and all this other stuff. You know, just to keep make sure that you keep doing these things. Uh, there's, you know, the, the parts of your brain that's like I said, when you go for a walk, there's a part of your brain that's that's in charge of making sure that you you keep your balance and 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 that you that you walk. <laughs> you know, and talking takes things and exercising. There's all these different things that go on in your brain. You don't just use 10% of it. They're not even sure exactly where this came from. I'll link to a video that gives a little talk about the. This myth, but I'll link to it in the show notes at dimland.com. Click on the blog option, and you'll get to the show notes. There's a, uh, you know, it, it, there's lots of videos out there and, and stuff that you can find online that'll explain why it is uh, that you you do use your entire brain, you use all your brain power. It's not you know, the, the movie Limitless that came out. You, oh, you take this pill and it unleashes all this brain stuff, and you're able to move objects and with your mind or whatever this guy was able to do. It's just baloney, but yeah, you know, it's not true. That's you just you just don't. It, I mean, and if it were true that you only use ten percent of it, does that mean you could take something of the some parts of the ninety percent out and you'd just be fine? Huh? You'll just be fine? Because you know, this lobotomies, I don't know how much brain they take out when they do the lobotomy thing, but uh you know, I don't think it's ninety percent, and yet that changes the, the people that have have it done. There was the guy, this guy named Gage or something, back in the 1800s who had that mining accident that sent a pipe up through his chin, under his chin, and up and out through his top of his skull and launched the thing up into space or whatever. And you know, he had. It damaged his brain, but he was still able to, he he survived, he was still able to function, he remembered how to do his, you know, the, the work that he did, but his personality changed. There was a change in the guy, and they think that that might have to do with uh, having bits of his brain, uh, you know, bashed in, <laughs> or or knocked out because of this pipe going through his head. It's hard to know for sure, but, uh, uh, yeah, because it was so long ago. But really, folks, it's just you use your entire brain. The idea that you only use 10%, it, it's its just not true. It's not true, it's not true. I'm telling you, because I'm up and you're nowhere. It's not true. In case you're interested, which of the pills I would take? I'm looking at the list again. Of course, I'm not going to take the blue pill. Uh, um, I might go for the purple one. Read minds? Ah, geez, I don't know. I mean, I don't want the Spider-Man powers because you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and I—I <laughs> I sure as hell don't want that. <laughs> the amount of responsibility I have now is enough. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I wonder. I don't know, but being able to see into the future, up to 12 hours, I could win one of those lotteries, and, and maybe that's the one. I'd take the green pill, and I'd be smart about it. And, you know, Maybe I could prevent uh, people dying in a plane crash or something. I, I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'd use. Let's see. What's, where's my time? Where's my time? Where is my time? What am I going to? Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I think I'm going to go to this next break a little early. I'm allowed to do that. I went to the last one a little late, so, you know, it comes out in the wash. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I shall return after this break. I, I promise. I'll, I'll return. Unless something weird happens. On the day that your mentality. I am living on channels. the my You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Did you see that UFO sighting that made the news? What did that latest study about alternative treatments really say? Is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax? Doubtful News is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience, the paranormal, anomalies, and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view. Come visit doubtfulnews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Doubtful News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Delfal News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? Hey y'all, this is Tangina. You're gonna give me whiplash looking up there too. I've cleaned many houses, and I don't know what it is that hovers over Dr. Dim's house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take his wallet away from him. And I think what we might be dealing with is the beast. Hold on. Did you just say that Dr. Dim doesn't believe in pulp to guys, tiny fortune tellers, or the beast? Well, holy sh! Why didn't somebody tell me? Anyway, Dr. Dim's a skeptic. He'll be right back on ZTalkRadio.com. I still think this house is clean. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. We'll all be hornswoggled. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what, you think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. I can wait another day Until I call you You've only got my heart on a string And everything a-flutter But another lonely night You know, I used to hate that song. I used to hate it. Hated it with a passion, back in the 80s when it came out. And then, I don't know what it was, over the years I heard it and said, you know, this song's not so bad, and sure it's mellow and, and all that, but, you know, that's, that's not bad, and it's Paul McCartney, for crying out loud. I mean, it's, you could do worse. Anyway, welcome back to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim uh, Fitzsimmons. That's my last name. I haven't done one of these in a really long time. I've got a movie recommendation for you. I haven't done one, I don't know why I haven't done one in a long time. I think the the show gets so filled with other stuff and I just forget. Uh, Well, I've got one. Uh, This movie, I just watched it last night. I hadn't seen it before. It's from 1952. It's in black and white. Don't freak out, but you know. Uh, And it stars Humphrey Bogart. In his later period, uh, you know, getting later in life, uh, as he plays the uh, uh, editor of a newspaper, that's a uh, a proper newspaper, not one of those journal- yellow journalism tabloidy newspapers. It's a proper newspaper. It's a proud tradition of being good journalists and doing you know the public work and and getting the information out there and uh, and all that kind of stuff. And he's one of these hard bitten, you know, tough. You know, guys that, uh, you know, puts the news way up there. This is very important, and he takes his job seriously, and he runs the paper, and he does a really good job. And the name of the movie is Deadline USA. Now, I don't know why they had to put the USA in there. They could have just called it Deadline. I I think that would have been better, but it doesn't matter. And the idea is, or or what goes on in the movie, is that uh, uh, we learn very early in the movie that the newspaper is being sold. There's a family that owned it. The the, the husband, the father uh, of this family uh, had started the paper, and he was the one that, you know, put integrity into the newspaper business because it used to be all a bunch of yellow journalism, you know, the tabloid stuff before then. And he came along and said, no, newspapers should be news, and we should be doing for the public good and all that kind of stuff and holding a standard and all that kind of crap. And uh, uh, yeah, not having, you know, Cartoons and horoscopes and all that bullshit. Although cartoons are great. Uh, Horoscopes are bullshit. You do know that, don't you? You know horoscopes are bullshit, right? Come on, you know it. Anyway, so uh, he died, and his heirs, his wife and his two daughters, uh, for whatever reason, decide to sell the paper to another competing paper. And this other competing paper is one of those skeevier papers, and the idea, and they, they they're pretty sure that once that other paper gets this guy, gets this this newspaper called the Day, and the other paper is called the Standard. Once the Standard takes over the Day, the Day will just be kind of just folded in, and it will be it'll disappear. It'll take away that competition. So they're all going to be out of a job. Well, uh, Bogart's character knows this. And the, the people that work at the paper know this, and they've worked there for a long time. And it's and you, there's a lot of familiar faces in this movie. Uh, Ed Begley's in there. Ethel Barrymore's in there. Now, she may not be that familiar to you, but uh, she was part of the Barrymore acting dynasty. Drew Barrymore's uh, related to her somehow. And uh, she she plays the woman that uh, was married to the fellow that owned the paper. And uh, she has some integrity left. Her daughters aren't, aren't quite as interested. But... Um, and in Jim Backus is in the movie now if you don't know the name Jim Backus you do know the character he played on Gilligan's Island uh, Thurston Howell the third he was the millionaire uh, he so he played that he he, he was in this, in the movie he played a uh, gossip columnist guy and uh, it, what uh, Bogart's character decides to do is take down a mob boss that law enforcement had tried to government officials. tried to take this guy down but nobody could and so he said that you know this newspaper is going to do it it's going to be if it's the last thing that we do before we're before we go under we're going to do this and it's it's pretty gripping and it's pretty gritty for a 1952 film Uh, a little naive here a little bit in that but uh i think it's really good i think it's so you should check it out you can get it through netflix but you have to get it on the dvd and maybe you can find it on iTunes or something like that. But uh, Deadline USA from 1952. It's directed by the name of the guy is uh, Richard Brooks, I believe. Yes, Richard Brooks. He also wrote the movie. But uh, it's great watching Bogart. Bogart's terrific in it. And uh, and I was I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I like Bogart anyway. So last night I just. I put it in the computer the, instead of putting it on the big screen TV, just because I was sitting at the computer for a while doing some work, and I still had the headphones on, and I thought, man, eh, just put the DVD in here and so listen to the movie through the headphones, and really cool. Okay, what's not really cool? Oh, this one, this one. You guys know what grief vampires are? Um, it's a it's a term that I think skeptics have come up with to describe. Psychics and mediums that uh, that uh, get money out of uh, bereaved family members and friends uh, of, of people who have died recently uh, to try to give them this false comfort. You know, it, it's, it's a false comfort. Because, look, psychics might exist. The ability might exist. Maybe. But uh, I doubt it. And thus far we have no compelling evidence to accept that it exists that it's a thing that you know that that these people like Sylvia Brown used to do and John Edward does and James von Prague these people uh, they're they're in my opinion they're frauds they' and because in my opinion uh, I can't know this for certain but I'm I think they know I think Sylvia Brown knew she couldn't do what she was claiming to be able to do she was just maybe at some point in her life she knew I thought she did but I, I don't know I mean I just think I just I don't buy it from them I know there are plenty of people who believe themselves to be psychic to believe themselves to be mediums and believe themselves to be in contact with the other side are sincere they really believe that they can do it I think they're wrong I think they're fooling themselves and in the process they're fooling other people and if they're doing this thing, to help people, you know, deal with the loss of a loved one, instead of allowing that person to properly grieve, to get actual good good grief counseling and dealing with the loss of a loved one, they they st- they take that from them. They try to give them these false ideas. Uh, I, I I posted something which I'll get into here in a moment. Um, and somebody responded to it, and I wish I could have found it again, but I couldn't. They, they responded to it essentially by saying, you know, the people we lose, what we have are the memories of those people. That's what we have. And these, these grief vampires come along, and they change your memories of those pers- of that person by adding stuff that they can't possibly know, and they can't possibly be getting from the dead person. It it's, it's just seems it's so, so unlikely to be as imp- to be impossible. I you, know, you I suppose, as a proper skeptic, you have to leave a sliver of a chance. But, thus far, we have no good evidence to accept that anybody can communicate with the dead. Uh, it's been said by others, talking to the dead is easy. Getting them to talk back, that's the tricky part. Well... The reason i bring this up I have a friend of mine and i i won't say who he is but uh he's a uh, he's he's an artist and a designer and he's uh he also thinks believes himself to be able to read tarot cards and cap into something i don't think he can i think what he's doing is is cold reading and and that's you know and he just doesn't realize that's what he's doing uh i think he's sincere uh, i absolutely believe him to be sincere i don't think he's uh, I, I don't think he's pulling, he's, uh, t- intentionally pulling the wool over people's eyes, I don't think that at all. I think he, I believe him to be sincere. He believes in his ability, but I just don't think he has the ability, because I don't think anybody has the ability. And, but what he does have is a really good, uh, ability at being a graphic artist and an illustrator, and he's, I mean, he's really good. He's very talented. He should be making his living doing that. And he's trying. Uh. And he posted a whole bunch of book covers that he's designed. And, you know, for a small publisher kind of thing. Um, and th- and they're, they're really good. All of them are, are really, really good designs. Some, some fantastic, some good. You know, but they're all really good. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, you know it's, I like some better than others. But, uh, but for the most part, they're really good. And a lot of them are dealing with this paranormal nonsense. And, and, I, and I, I looked at his designs, and I was thinking, I was clicking through them. He put up, uh, in one posting, he put up, uh, I don't know, 10 or 12 of them. And I'm going through them, and I said, wow, that's, that's really something. And some of them he did illustrations for. and Others he, he did photo manipulation and, and just design layout and, and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 uh, and, uh, and they all look, and they look great. And I wanted to comment on it, and I did. But I, I didn't want to, you know, I, part of me was wanting to, the skeptic side of me was wanting to say, get in there, get in there and say, you know, yes, these are great designs, but you know you're peddling bullshit, right? Um, I wanted to do that. But, but I said, no, no, I can't, it's my friend. And, you know, I'd rather have him be a friend than, than not have him as a friend, you know, and, and you know, have him be a friend and have this, have to just tolerate his belief <laughs> uh, and have him tolerate my skepticism. Uh, which we do, we have a detente, you <laughs> know, it's like that, but anyway, so he, I, I posted my comment, and it was just this, good design. Oh, I was going to write more. I had started to, and I had stopped, and I erased it, and I started doing more, and I, I deleted it, and I erased, you know, erase on a computer. Well, you know what I mean. Uh, and I went back and forth, back and forth, and I just settled on good design. That's all I'm going to say. Because that's what it is. I'm being truthful. And uh, he, he popped in with a comment back with a kind of a joke. And I said, well, it took you long enough to say something. And then I wrote to him and said, it took me a long time to come up with that. And I, I, we didn't discuss it any further. But if he read that, I think he would have gotten the message. Uh, a friend of mine on Facebook, I was discussing that with him. And he, he, uh, he understood exactly what I meant. He said, yep, you started and stopped and started and stopped, didn't you? And I said, yep, Exactly. And uh, he just kept going through it. Since and then we talked about what do you do when friends are, you know, believe in, in paranormal type stuff or supernatural type stuff that's 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 ungrounded in, in science. Uh, and what do you do? Was, well, you know, hopefully it's not harming them. Well, there's one of the books that he did, and it's called "What Happens the Day After." And this book is written by Teresa Saint Francis. She believes herself to be. A psychic medium, a life coach, an animal communicator, and a lecturer. Now, I suppose she is a life coach, which is kind of a dubious thing. And I suppose she is a lecturer. These are two things that she can demonstrate that she is. But an animal communicator, a psychic medium. She also says that she's an author. And there's you can read an excerpt of her book. I'll put a link to her page uh, so that you can check it out. And you can decide whether or not she can write. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't think much of it. But And on the back of the book, I have a sneaking suspicion that my friend wrote this. The spirits of the dead can speak. And here's where it gets, uh, here's where it got my dander up. And when the messages are from teens who've committed suicide... Their words are not only powerful and searing, but utterly moving. Uh, well, we don't know the spirits can speak. We don't know there are spirits. We don't know, we don't know any of this stuff. These people who hunt for ghosts, they bypass all the, all the we don't knows. We don't even know what a ghost is. We don't know what a spirit is. We, we, don't, we don't know what the properties are. We can't measure for them. We don't know what it is. And they bypass all that, believe it exists, and then start talking to them. There's, there's, a, there's a guy in the newspaper right here in my hand what's this guy's name Chris Moon he talks to dead people he uses a ghost box and, and that's just some broken radio that, that spins up and down the dial or it's one of these machines where they, they, they spit out words random words and then they try to think oh we're talking to the dead no you're not <laughs> anyway so um, the copy on the book continues Whether or not you believe in the gift of mediumship, see right there. If you don't believe in the gift of mediumship, then anything she says in this book is just going to be bullshit, right? Teresa uh, details in these pages her encounters and conversations with spirits of adolescents and young adults who have committed suicide. Again, just this is the worst. This is the worst of it. I mean, it's bad enough, you know, my, my father in law died. And that's bad, but he was 81. It, that's the course of things. But when a, a, a teenager or a young adult kills themselves, that's 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 worst kind of grief. That's that's you don't know what the hell happened. What did I do wrong? What you what's going on? So this woman comes around and gives you bullshit about well you should feel okay. And, you know whatever she says because well these people want to tell you their stories, and it, and it, it may have nothing to do with that person because she how could she have any idea i'm sorry i and i will give her the benefit of the doubt that she's one of these people who absolutely believes she can do what she thinks she can do that she's this isn't some cynical effort this isn't something i i i give her the benefit of the doubt she believes in her abilities i don't believe in her abilities i think this is bullshit and it angers me when I see something like this, and this is a grief vulture, this is someone who comes to she'll she get some money on this, uh, she'll she, and and she just steals people's grief by giving them this false sense of hope, this false sense of closure. These accounts, as recorded by Teresa, are unbelievably moving. Well, they're unbelievable. The transparency of Teresa's struggling reluctance, humble sincerity, and driving passion to tell these kids stories fills every single page. This reluctance thing. That's something that this, my, my friend himself had said. He was reluctant. He was, he was troubled about using his abilities with tarot cards. And she's apparently troubled with using her abilities to talk to dead people. Why? Why, would you, why? Why would you be reluctant? Why would you be troubled? Why? If you really could do it, why would it bother you? I mean, I can draw. If somebody asks me to do a portrait of somebody and gives me a good photographic reference to work from, I'm fairly confident I can draw it. Don't, I don't feel reluctant. My friend is a good designer. He, did, he has no reluctance in, in saying that, yeah, I can design that for you. You know why? Because I can show that I can draw. And my friend can show that he can do the design. He can show. There's there's proof that I can do this. Why should I be reluctant? Why should I be troubled with using these abilities? So that, that, that makes me think, and I'm no psychologist, I don't know, but it makes me think that somewhere in their minds... That they might have that little skeptical idea of their own abilities, that they might think that somewhere in their minds that it might be that I, you know, maybe I can't do this. And it might not be something they think of you know consciously, that they that they're that they're that they're troubling over this and wringing their hands and all that. It might not be something like that, but it's just maybe there's just the just the tiniest bit of ethics in there saying, you know, this is bullshit. Maybe. I don't know. So it angers me that this, this book exists, that this woman does what she's doing. Again, I will say I believe her to be sincere, that she thinks that she's doing what she says she's doing, but I, I think she's fooling herself. And along with it, she's, she's really not helping other people deal with the, you know, you know, the, the worst kind of grief that somebody can go through, and that's that you're having their kid commit suicide. And if that ain't bad enough, the goddamn forward is written by science expert Jenny McCarthy. All right, before I get too long in this and before I, I get too angry, there are three cool things I want to tell you. Uh, number three, this actually should be number one, but I'm making it number three. There is a, uh, a 100 megapixel picture of the moon, fill plate shared it on his site. I'll put a link to it so you can check it out. It's a so really cool detailed picture of the moon. Uh, it was created by with you know, making a composite of all kinds of uh, pictures of the moon or some, somehow they did it. It's Read the article, you'll know. Uh, by a fellow named Sean Duran. I think Duran, something like that. Uh, it's it's really cool. It's just a great picture. and You can blow it up real big on your computer and you just look at it. It's just a uh, great picture of the moon. Really cool. Uh, Halloween was this week. That's always cool. Uh, we, it was a down year for us. Last year we had 99 kids. This year we only had 56. So it was a little bit of a down year. But still, it's Halloween. That's cool. And then, of course, the number one most cool thing of the week was that World Series, which I talked about at the top of the show. So I, I won't I won't go on too much more about it. But, you know, Good it was night. such a... Oh, 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 sorry. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, I've made it to the end of another show. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Remember to be skeptical, especially especially of people who say they can talk to the dead. Uh, and uh, extraordinary evidence requires extraordinary claims. What? No, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. <laughs> this is your host, Jim Doctor Dimfit Simmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. has been a production of the Z-Talk radio network and now a message to our competitors thanks Thanks for tuning us in in. my life you're clever Dimmy. it's certainly taken me in well Well, I'm I'm going going to to hell